This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, November 18th, 2018. Joshua, Sun Stood Still, given by disciple member Bill Trench. You know, it was one of those incredibly late spring days. The kind where the breeze was just perfect. It was about 75 degrees and you know, all you could smell was the new blooms and, and the trees and had the windows down, driving along. Feels like nothing in the world could be any better. I was coming home from baseball practice. I was my first year in senior league and um, I had just gotten my license maybe three months before. I couldn't have been in a better mood. I got home and then I could smell my mom's cooking. My mom could cook. Um, and my father had just beaten me home, so he, he had just gotten home. I couldn't wait to tell my dad about practice because uh, uh, he wouldn't be proud of that I made the team. And then I heard it. He screamed my mom's name in a tone that was, was almost childlike. And I knew something was wrong. So I went running. I jumped up. And uh, my mother and I reached him lying still on the bathroom floor. We jumped into emergency mode like a couple of veteran EMTs. And we <laughs> brought him in the hallway and immediately began CPR. My mom pushed earnestly on his chest as I slowly poured breaths into his lung in a rhythmic fashion. My sister called 911. The ambulance got there in minutes, but of course it seemed like hours. As I finished my last deep breath into my father's lungs, I, I saw a small tear come down his cheek. It was almost like he was saying goodbye. And as the paramedics worked on him, they gave him oxygen and his color started coming back to his, his face. There was hope. My mom rode down to the hospital with him in, his, in the ambulance and I stayed home um, to take care of things to come and uh, get her in a few minutes. And mostly I wanted to pray. Now our family was not on the top 10 list of church attendance at the time, uh, but that day I prayed out loud. God, if it's possible, save my father. As I walked over to the hospital, it was just a block away. Um, I continued to pray. But the look on my mother's face confirmed my worst fear. He was gone. That day changed my entire life. I searched deeply for answers as a teenager to why God would want to take away my father and not answer my prayers. And part of me lost hope in a God of miracles. Good morning, everyone. My name is Bill. Um, today, I am honored and humbled to bring you a message about the miracles of God. Specifically, we're going to talk about how God took the sun and the sky and the moon and stood them still for about a day for Joshua and the Israelites so that they could be defeat their enemies. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for your son Jesus that gives us life and life to the full. 
God, help us to just uh, lean into your words today, to just absorb your presence. Help us to be changed and transformed. Help us to walk out of here differently than we walked in, Lord. Help us to hear exactly what you need us to hear, each one of us. God, we pray this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So there's times in the Bible when we're confronted with this God that can do anything he wants, any time he wants. Right? These times will always bring us to a decision we must face. A tough decision. This message is one of those times we all must ask ourselves a difficult yet necessary question. Do we believe and trust in a God that can do anything he wants at any time he wants to do it? As you, let me say that again. Do we believe and trust in a God that can do anything he wants at any time he wants to do it? If we do not believe that our God could stop the sun, the same one he put in the sky, or bring Jesus back to life, then what are we here for? I'd contend that if we fail to believe in this God that can do anything, we are no more than atheists. It's hard to hear, but it's true. So after that statement, where is your faith? But before you answer that, what really is faith? Right? What is faith? The authors of Hebrews defines faith as confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we can't see. As Christians, our hope is Jesus Christ. Our hope is ultimately Jesus. If we are confident in Jesus, then we're saying we're confident in the character of God, the God that can do anything, the God that is omnipotent, that knows everything, that is strong, that loves us unconditionally that will never leave us. He's always good. He will always provide. He will always give us what's best for us. That's the God we have confidence in. That's the character. I know it's hard to always be confident in that God, especially when things are falling down around you, especially when times are tough. But that's what we believe. And the character of God never changes. He's the same as he was, is, and always will be. God does not change. And that's good news for us. We build on that confidence and assurance. An assurance in things unseen. What the heck does that even mean? Right? I mean, what, um, what does that mean? Well, we can't see God. Jesus is no longer here. He's not in front of me. God is invisible, right? Heaven is not in our sights. But I would contend that neither is the wind. But we see the effects of the wind, right? So we are assured that we're heading to a place where God is present. We will see face to face. 
and that there'll be no more death or pain. So faith is merely being confident in God as he says who he is and assured that we will be with him for eternity. So why the definition of faith? Why am I talking about faith? You're like, Bill, this is about miracles. Why, why aren't we talking about that? Um, there are no miracles without faith. Let me repeat that. There are no miracles without faith. None. Joshua in chapter 10 asks and receives a mighty miracle from God. But before we get to the miracle, let's talk about the backstory because there's always a backstory to a miracle. There's always a backstory to every blessing, but miracles specifically. So the past two weeks we've been speaking about miracles. We talked about the um, crossing of the Jordan, how God spread the Jordan and they walked across dry land to get to the promised land by stepping in faith into the water. We also talked about the walls of Jericho, how we marched around seven times on that sixth day and the walls came down when they shouted. And we also talked about Rahab and her family and the brave acts that she did on behalf of the people. Let me pray for that. God, thank you so much for having a church that is so close to hear those whistles. God, help us to uh, um, just pray for those that are out there, first responders, anyone that's in an accident, a fire, or any issues. God, we just know that you're there. We pray that you will be with all the people involved and that no life will be taken. God, thank you so much. Praise your name. Amen. So after the battle of Jericho, after the walls came down, one of the Israelites on Joshua's team sinned against God. God specifically told Joshua, as well as Joshua told his men, do not take any plunder. Do not take anything from Jericho. And this, uh, this young man named Achan took several things. He took a lot of things, and then he also took silver and gold, and he hid them in his tent. And um, this disobedience made God very angry. And as this is happening, Joshua wasn't paying attention at all. He was quickly starting to think about the next battle. How are we going to take on the next group? We just beat Jericho. Now we're going to take on Ai, another large city. And he wasn't consulting God. They went to attack the next city, Ai, and they took about 3,000 men, and because the plan wasn't thought through and they didn't consult God, they got beat badly. The Israelites got beat. They got pushed back. They had to retreat. They lost like 35 men. And Joshua, the same Joshua that took them across the Jordan, whined and cried to God about how could he have done this to me? How could you do this to me, God? How could you bring us across the Jordan, tell us we get this victory, and then do this to us? Um, similar to the Israelites in the desert, right? Well, I might as well just go back to Egypt. He's crying to God. Well, Joshua was blinded by pride. And he dropped his guard, and he missed Achan. He missed the fact that this, one of his soldiers was disobedient. And he left God out of his battle plans. Big mistake. Big mistake. How many times does that happen to you? 
when victory is right there, when we're sitting high and doing a good job and we've got great got money coming in, we've got a good job, our family seems right, boy, we start thinking we're doing it all ourselves, don't we? We start thinking that this is all because of me. I'm pretty, I'm pretty smart, pretty strong, I can do it. We take our eyes off of those things that are within us. Could be a, um, something that's happening within ourselves that we're not looking at because we're so prideful. God made it known to Joshua of his anger, and, and Achan, the soldier, admitted to the stealing, and um, ultimately Achan and his entire family were wiped out. See, there's some key messages that we don't want to miss, right? <clears throat> Joshua missed that enemy. He missed Achan, right? He missed the enemy within. When our pride and our situations preoccupies us, we miss the enemy within as well. We miss it could be pride. It could be somebody that you know. But most of the time, it's usually the enemy within ourselves. Because when sin is abounding, when we're prideful, usually we're overlooking the own sin, our own sin. And we let our guard down. And that's what happened to Joshua. But Joshua did come back to God. And he fell to his knees and he humbly um, consulted God who gave him great victory over Ai. He tried it again. Took the whole clan this time. Took everybody. Listened to God. God gave him all of the strategy to how to win. And they ended up destroying all of Ai. And by the way, God gave him the permission to keep the plunder. To keep everything that was in Ai. So, When you're far from God, many, many of you may be far from God right now. I don't know. But when you come back to God, humbly, forgiving, you know, asking for forgiveness, God won't only bless you, He will bless you abundantly. Abundantly. He'll give you the plunder too. So you're never too far out of God's reach. He wants nothing more than to help us and give us what we need and provide even more than we can imagine. So after that, the Gibeonites, which is a clan that was close to um, uh, where Joshua was staying. And they came to Joshua and they fooled him. And they said that they were from a long ways away and that they needed some help. That they were afraid of the Amorite kings. They didn't want to die and that they, need, they heard Joshua was with God and that they wanted to be... Um, protected. Joshua did a treaty with them, an oath that they would take care of them. They would bring them in. And then after they did the oath, of course, they came to him and said, nah, we live right around the corner. And because of that, Joshua was very angry, but he couldn't do anything about it because he already done an oath with them. So he did make them their servants, but he couldn't kill them. He couldn't do anything about it. So um, once again, Joshua was deceived. And that leads us to Joshua 10, verses 1 through 15. So if you have your Bible, you have your Bible, I pull it out. We're going to go ahead and go over this. It's going to be on the screen as well. <clears throat> but now that you've got the backstory, let's get into 10. Now Adonai Zedek, Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it. 
doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. He and his people are very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai, and all its men were good fighters. Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, prior to David and all that, um, he was scared. He was scared. The Amorites, if you remember, the Amorites are the same people that when the Israelites crossed the Jordan secretly to see whether they wanted to go to the Holy Land or not, they said there were giants, right? There was giants in the Holy Land and that we're afraid. We don't want to go over there. We're like grasshoppers, right? That story was all about Israel and how they decided not to go into the Promised Land and had to spend 40 years out in the desert, right? Same Amorites. That's the same people. These are the giants of the area, and they are scared. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. How often does the enemy attack the people you love, the people you care about, the church you care about, the friends you care about, just to get to you? He'll do it. Wherever you're vulnerable, he'll do it. The enemies knew that Joshua was vulnerable here because he had made a treaty with the Gibeonites. Then the five kings of Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Aglon, joined forces. They moved up with their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men, all of his army. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. It's always good to hear God speak in the past tense when he's talking about a battle you haven't even fought yet. Is it not? But isn't that the story of Jesus? Jesus has already fought the battle. Jesus has already won the battle. God's already made that promise happen. That's where we are, right? But there's still work to be done. Joshua still has work to do. He's not done yet. Even though he knows he's going to get his, his battle, he still has work to do, and so do we. So after an all-night march from Gilgal, 20 miles, by the way, 20 miles on foot, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, so Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road, going up to Beth Haran, and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Mekadai. As they fled from Israel on the road down from Beth Haran to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. God fights the battle with you. God fights the battle with you. I don't know what battle you're in, but God fights the battle with you. He doesn't sit on the sideline and just watch. He is with you. He is active. He makes things happen. 
On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord, in the presence of Israel, in front of everybody, sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before since a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp of Gilgal. There's a lot of scientific things about the sun standing still that some of you may be sitting there saying, oh my gosh, if the sun stood still for a day, that would mean the earth stopped moving and this means the whole earth would have been destroyed. That is amazing. It's like, well, true. But we have a God that can do anything he wants, any time he wants to. My guess is that he probably slowed it enough that it took 48 hours for the sun to go around versus, or for the earth to go around versus 24 hours. But um, God can do anything. What an incredible story. Incredible story. It's real. It's in the Bible. It is history. But what does it mean to us? How many of you are seeking a miracle right now? How many of you are seeking a miracle right now? How many of you are asking God to do something in your life that must seem impossible? How many of you are seeking a miracle? Maybe your relationship is falling apart. Maybe your kids are falling from God. Maybe you just got that dreaded call that it was cancer. Maybe you just lost your job. Or maybe you just don't know where you're going to get the rent for next month. I don't know what miracle you're praying for. Right now. But Joshua's story, God reveals through Joshua's story just what we need to do to prepare for that miracle. So number one, remember God's faithfulness. Had to be a time that Joshua looked back and said, wow, I watched the Red Sea part and all of Israel walk through. I watched the Jordan River part and I walked through dry land. I saw the walls of Jericho fall by shouting. He had to at some point see God's faithfulness and remember it. And I think that's what put him on his knees. Psalm 89.8 says, Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. I love that verse. His faithfulness surrounds him. Anytime you're waiting for a miracle, you have got to look first at what he's done already in your life. Secondly, you have to clean up your act. That's my way of putting it, but it's more like you've got to live a holy life. You, you've got to live by what God says. You've got to take and kill those demons that are inside. Joshua had to. He had to, he had to kill all of Achan's family. 
That was his demon. That was his inside destruction. What do we have? Pride. Depression. Jealousy. Envy. Those are all inner demons we got to get rid of. You want to see a miracle happen? You got to get rid of those demons. We got to get our act together. When, uh, when Joshua was crying to the Lord and, and whining about how he couldn't, didn't take care of him, um, he ended the sentence by saying, pardon your servant, Lord. He said, pardon your servant. So he stopped in the middle of his whining and said, pardon your servant. I am just an idiot. All right? I get it. I need to suck it up and remember what you've done for me and, and get back to, to what I, I know. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He didn't say he'll lift you up and then you can be humbled. He said you need to humble yourself first. We need to come to the Lord humble. Remember God is in charge of the outcomes. We are in charge of the faith. Right? How often do we want to be in charge of the outcome? How often do we give God the outcome? Here, God, this is what I want. Let me know the day and date that you're going to take care of this because I need it to happen. And this is how I need it to happen. And this is where I need it to happen. That's all of us. That's all of us. God's in charge of the outcome. We aren't. It's so hard for us not to look at the things that we know we want a miracle in and say, this is going to be the miracle. This is the outcome that is the miracle when God has other plans. Now, he may do that, but God knows best what we need in our miracle. After, after uh, Joshua defeated Ai, he built a temple to God in honor of his glory and the fact that God took care of the outcome, right? Joshua just showed up in faith. Because remember, these guys are huge. They're giants. And he just waltzes in knowing that God's given him the victory, but he still has to do some work, right? He's got to walk in there in faith and actually fight. And he does that, but he gives God the glory at the end. He builds an altar because God's in charge of the outcome. Number four, you must ask for the miracle. I don't know what your miracle is you're looking for today. I don't know what it is that is hurting you, what you need in your life. But whether God knows what it is or doesn't know what it is, he still wants to hear you ask. God needs to hear you ask. Joshua asked, he said, son, stand still over Gibeon. That's a bold prayer to ask for the son to stand still. But he asked and he delivered. Have you asked God specifically for the miracle you're looking for? Have you asked him? Because he's waiting. James 4 says, you do, not have, you do not have because you do not ask God. Number six, God's miracles are always to glorify God. Miracles always take faith. Miracles are always for the glory of God. They're not for our glory. So whatever happens, whatever the outcome God believes is going to be and should be, it's going to be the thing that is best to glorify him. 
Joshua always gave God the glory in every miracle, building altars, praising his name. God takes the good times in our lives, the blessings, the miracles that we have in life, and he takes the suffering in our life. And if we allow him to take charge both of those things, he will create a beautiful outcome. He will take both of those things and work all of it to, for the good, for his glory, not for our good, for his glory, which is ultimately our good. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And number seven, we gotta wait. We have to wait. Why do we wait? Why do I have to wait? I know what the outcome should be. I know what the miracle is. Why is it that we have to wait? Because God's timing is perfect. Joshua 10, 13. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. The sun needed to stay lit long enough for Joshua to defeat the enemies. God will bring the miracle in God's time. God's time is always the best time because it's the it's when the miracle is going to do the best for his glory. And unfortunately, we're not patient enough for that sometimes, are we? I know I haven't been in the past. So I started this whole message with a story in reference to my father's death. And, um, you know, I dealt with that death for a long time. He died when I was very young. And I wrote a song about it, uh, about him, for him. Um, that I'd like to sing for you today and, um, and then wrap this up. If I don't get tangled up in all these wires.
Thank you. I, I prayed so hard for God to save my father. And yet, in the end, I lost him. But did I? Did I really lose him? Because just this year, my mother passed away. And it was not a good time for me. I was, I was very sad. And, and I was going through a lot in my life. And it was not a good place. But you know what? God delivers. God delivers. Just when you need it. God delivered me from that sadness because my sister, cleaning through my mother's, going through my mother's stuff, found this. This is a profession of faith for my father. This is my father saying that Jesus Christ is his Lord and Savior. I never knew for 37 years whether my father was saved. Or I would, if I would ever see him again. How incredible is our God. I sat there brokenhearted, earnestly praying to God to save my father. And all along, he'd already saved him. He already knew what I wanted. And he gave it to me. I didn't get the outcome that I thought I was going to get for my miracle but I received a much bigger miracle. I'll see my father for eternity. Praise the God that can do anything he wants, any time he wants to do it. See, God wants nothing more than to be in a relationship with his creation, with us. And to do that, he went to the extreme of coming down to earth as a human. He was beaten, he was spit on, he was mocked. He was hung on a cross and died a criminal's death all so we could have access to God. 
we might not see the sun stand still in our lives. But I would say watching God change someone's heart and give their life to Christ is the greatest miracle and gift that any one of us could ever receive. That miracle is mine, and for many of you out there, it's yours. But for some of you, that's a miracle that's yet to be. Well, maybe today is the day the sun stands still for you. Maybe today is the day you realize you've had enough living the way you want to live. Maybe today is the day you say, I'm tired. And I need a miracle. Maybe today is the day. Let's pray. Holy Father, you are a God of miracles. No bigger, no greater miracle than your son Jesus. You are so kind and so good to us. And for those that have yet to give their lives to Christ, I, I ask them to pray this. God, I am a sinner and I need a savior and I can't save myself. God, forgive me. God, come into my life. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, and I want to change my ways. God, change me and bring me new life. If that's the first time you've ever prayed that, I would, I would tell you to earnestly talk to somebody about it. Go back in the corner and talk to somebody. Get prayer for it, because today is a special day for you. But God, for those of us that have given our lives to Christ, I would just pray that we would continue, continue, Lord, to seek you first in all things and to know that the miracle is just around the corner and to hang on, hang on. Don't stop believing. Thank you, God. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ and the power his Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.